Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children, all ladies, welcome to the couch. This is my more laid back, this is not a daily devotion. I'm thinking about going to two times a week just because I want to read more. I have 12 books and this was going to be like a nine week thing and then all of a sudden yesterday, out of nowhere, I discovered a Bible study called The End of Me. May not think that's weird, but it drew me to it. And all of a sudden I realized that it was on the Beatitudes. If you watch Kill the Cow at all, you know I'm really big on the Beatitudes. That's how we judge people. That's how we look at people. It's a fair shakedown of Beatitudes. It was given during the Sermon on the Mount. This book right here was given during... Sermon on the Mount. Well, the prayer, the Lord's Prayer. But Lord, how do we pray? And he lays out the Lord's Prayer in two different books. Matthew and Luke. Luke being my favorite. Do I like the Lord's Prayer in Luke? No, not really. <laughs> I tried to read it with my kids for a while and it just was weird. When it comes to something like the Lord's Prayer, I am very traditional and King James only. It just rolls off your tongue. It's something that... You have to explain it, but it sounds a little bit classier. Now, the irony of that is reading this book and knowing, you know, seclude yourself. Prayer is not to be something that's for everybody. Prayer is supposed to be like a private, intimate thing. And we have exalted it. And it just makes you wonder. Because I grew up Pentecostal. Not talking any crap on anybody. But all I'm saying is... For every, I remember specifically in high school, we went to youth conference every year. I would play a football game. There was one game a year we'd play on Thursday night. On Friday morning, we'd roll up to Oklahoma City. More specifically, more. And we would attend this youth conference. Well, for at least three years or something like that. And there was one point when the leaders... And it was a assembly God thing. The leader's like, alright, so there's so many people speaking in tongues loudly. Y'all need to stop. There needs to be one in time. And there needs to be interpreter. They stood up in front of everybody and said that. And that was cool. Now as an adult, and reading this book, I just realized. Is it of God? This could be a wild tangent. This is not something I'm going to bring up today because this this will go further. This will be a huge wild tangent because I know myself. To know thyself and be true. And honestly, I just don't have the will today. Because that's a huge subject that would offend people and piss people off. And today I want to be happy and joyous at all the Beatitudes. That's my wish for today, or prayer today, whatever you want to call it. Well, no, it's not whatever. Because that is a great segue into the church. Starts up chapter 2, why Jesus doesn't think much of routine Christian prayer. So by saying wish and all that, the, talking about Matthew 6, part I highlighted, note that Jesus did not does not say if you pray. He says when you pray. So it's a command. It's a command to pray. 
sets up the standard there all the way in chapter two. <laughs> I say that jokingly just because it's chapter two. But, I mean, how much of a reminder we do we need? How much do we need to be told in season and out of season, good season, bad season, whatever, we need to pray? It's like talking to your best friend. Sad part is, again, I don't know what it's like to have a best friend anymore. I mean, a lot of people would say your wife. I don't see my wife as my best friend. I know that's weird. And let me explain. That's why I didn't have the heart to talk about the other stuff. Because this alone is going to be controversial. My wife is a part of me. My wife is like my other half. When I think of a best friend, I think of somebody you go out and do stuff. You go out and have... I don't know. I mean, when I try to say it, it doesn't make sense to this point where people would be, oh, I, to me, a best friend is somebody that you have a connection with, but a wife is somebody you're intimate with, who knows the ins and outs, you, who knows every little detail. It's something more. I mean, to say a best friend may know, but you don't sleep with your best friend. I mean, your wife is somebody, it's like I have an issue with people saying their kids are their best friends. No, you're an adult. You need adult relationships. I have a wife. I desire friends. There's stuff I will do with my wife that I will never do with a friend. I mean, God forbid something ha happened to her and I have a female friend. I don't know at this point if anything would ever progress. Because there is nobody that is going to take the place of my wife. A friend can be replaced. I know as sad as it is. But like the last time. The person I would consider my best friend right now. We can go months without talking. And then every year we make our pilgrimage to... Stillwater, one game a year, at least, and we go have fun and kick it. You know, I don't know, he is now getting into a more advanced med school, he has devoted his life to medicine, he has spent almost more than half his life in school, I don't know when the next time we will talk, unless we're we physically make time. And that's, I have no issue with that. My friends from high school, we grew apart. And the thing is with my wife, if we don't talk daily, at least say hi, at least have that connection, it will die. If we grow apart, it will fail. There's more of a commitment. You are willingly becoming that person's other half when you get married. When you're friends, you can walk away. When you're friends, you can cheat on your friend and be mad at them and just walk away. A wife is something different. It's that oath, that connection, that deeper intimacy. 
So, that's just my regards on, like, a friend compared to a wife and all that. And now back to the book. I know I connected to somehow, but right now that escapes me. I, I just, it wears me out when people don't take time to realize the wording and verbiage and, like, stuff we say. Because that can change your life. I mean, just, like, a movie called, I think... Time Changers or something like that. He's talking about going back in time and changing things. And realizing just by the simple fact. Instead of saying the Lord saith. It throws off history. So I mean. We just need. Oh I remember what. Just talking with your best friend. You know. Talking with a friend. You need that communication. And how we word things, and how we take away, you know, that, and that's why I think the King James is a standard. There's a certain vocabulary that connects. So, I'm going on definitely a wild tangent, but I think that's good, because it's going to hit some ears. I know it is. That's why I do it. This is my free giveaway, and I just, I pray that it... Reaches who it needs to. So going on to the next section. I didn't highlight the title. But before you pray. A few things Jesus wants you to remember. Very first heading. Do not pray like the hypocrites. And then I highlighted Matthew 6.5. Jesus condemned all forms of hypocrisy. But here he is speaking of a specific public hypocrisy. That seeks personal attention for piety. Talking about how the religious leaders prayed. How they sought attention for themselves. Oh, dear God in heaven. You know, you, you can tell when somebody's like hamming it up. They're doing the Christian thing by, by saying this loud prayer. You know, and that that's one of the things he talks about in this book. is just... Bear, Burying your head and digging in. It's its not something to take lightly and you can just use Christianese. No, you dig in, you pray, and people's lives can be changed. Next thing I highlighted, the real issue is not much where you pray, but doing so in a way that does not parade your piety in front of others. So be humble about it. Humble brag. It's okay. I mean... Lives are still going to be changed. Amazing things are going to happen. Next thing I did was the reward is not material or anything we can quantify. Instead, our reward is communion with God himself. God is the reward he gives to his people. And it, I mean, where my struggle with prayer is, I hate my dad's. <laughs> All my family left me. And literally my true grandma ran away after she gave birth to my mom. I feel like all family has left me and ran away. Hell, I have an aunt in Tulsa going through cancer. Or I don't know. 
apparently she had surgery during COVID, and then that was the last that was brought up to me. So, you know, my mom gets under my skin. And mainly because I think people are going to leave, so I kind of push people away automatically. But let him be the reward. Let him have communion with you. And I think it is that, because he wants to be a part of our lives. And it's the earthly pieces of garbage that affect our relationship. We let things get in the way between, I'll make a personal him and I. Because the way other people treat me, I treat him differently. And I need to remember that. I mean, this is a reminder. We need to pray different. God is not looking for long words, long prayers, and mindless repetition. And he is not impressed by the length or the complexity of our prayers. I mean, if we are made in God's own image and society has changed, I'm not saying God changed, but I'm just, hear me out on this. Are we still talking where he understands? I mean, you read the thee, thou, though, whatever, the King James. Is that the way Jesus talks? Is that the way he wants us to commune with him? I mean, that's one of the stupid mute points that, like, it doesn't matter. I mean, what Jesus talked, I mean, how he talks, but... To me, in my mind, it's a huge thing because I had those people. I grew up during the 80s Pentecostal hellfire and brimstone. You taught a certain way. There's still King James-only Bible churches. I saw an ad on Facebook for one that they still looking for King James-only. The last church I went to, King James-only. But he started the church. So, I mean, it, he didn't advertise... For a pastor. You know? I don't know. It's just... It's weird. Followed up. The priests of Baal were furiously repetitive in the prayer and labor to get the attention of their gods. So much so that they lacerated their bodies to attract. Okay, so now we're talking about Baal. This is where he, like, challenged them. Um, had them do sacrifices. They started cutting themselves. They start doing all this stuff in the name of their God, and he's just laughing on them. And then he tells them to get five bales of water, or five buckets of water, douse thing, do it again, and did all this, like, every time. Are you kidding me? Oh, well. Um, and he just challenged them. And this is one of those things, like, these people were so into it, so into the repetition, so into the ritual of praying to their God, they started cutting themselves. So, just to get, increase their God's interest in their activity, we do not have to. And it goes on, it goes to show um, Elijah's prayer was simple. Oh Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known that this day that you are God in Israel, that I am your servant, that I have done all these things, at your word, answer me, O Lord, answer me. That this people may know you, O Lord, our God. And that you have turned their hearts back. And it's verse 36 through 27. I mean, he taunts them. 
in verse, I don't know what chapter it is or what book, but he taunts him in verse 27, cry aloud for he is a God, either he is musing or he is relieving himself or he is in on a journey or perhaps he is asleep and must be awakened. Tells him they, he must be relieving himself, taking a poop. Think about that. So you're praying and cutting yourself, and all of a sudden this guy's like, ha, your God's taking a poop. <laughs> that amuses me so much. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's funny. And that that's the prayer these men had. Your father knows what you need before you ask him. That's part of the, what he's trying to say in Matthew 6, 8. Crucial to understand. Father knows what you need before you ask him. Teaches us that prayer is not about impressing God. Rather, it's about praising him and humbly coming before him and offer the kind of prayer that pleases him. Left to our own devices, we will pray long, wrongly. Yeah. How many times... I mean, it even says that our prayers will fall on deaf ears if we're not careful. Our prayers will fall on deaf ears. How many times do we, we try to make this big thing and we fall on their face? What if you were automatically told that God wasn't listening? Left to our own devices, we will pray wrongly. When we start seeking the Spirit, rather than the Spirit coming upon us, rather than us honestly seeking after God, seeking His face, falling flat in front of Him, we make it about us. And of course... Jesus was ready to teach his disciples before they were ready to learn. He is ready to teach us too. And then that goes in chapter 3. Really short chapter. And I'm kind of excited. I do not want to rush this because I want to get into the next Bible study. I want to next... Um, I picked up a couple more books from Mardell's. They have amazing dollar sales. Um, so yeah, I challenge you to start reading. I had a pastor say this and I hated him for it, but pa leaders are readers. God is calling us. It's happening, people. It's coming. All the cheesy Christianese stuff. But what I want to say is I'm not, I'm not concerned about the end of the world. I'm not concerned about the rapture. But it's coming when people are going to be looking for answers. Are you ready to give one? In season and out of season. Are you ready to have accountability to the people that you talk to? Are you going to have accountability for whether or not they were earnestly seeking God and you helped them? I challenge you. It can get better. And God knows I'm holding on to hope with that. So until tomorrow, later days.